Good morning, church. Good morning, family. 안녕하세요. 내 이름은 Irvin입니다. And that's all the Korean I know. So I'll continue in English. You know, it's such a pleasure to be here, and I'm very, very excited to be here. Because I got to tell you, about two and a half, three years ago, I about quit in serving the Lord in a certain way. You know, we went through some tough times, um, some difficult times in my family, and I felt betrayed by, by the Lord, you know. When we go through these tough times, we have the tendency to be like, well, Lord, you know, I, I tried, but it doesn't look like you have my back. So I kind of went into a, a despair. I, I vowed really to, to never really preach the gospel of the Lord again and to never ever be used by Jesus Christ. And I think there was a one time in, in my life, it was a very dark moment, and I'm ashamed to say it right now, that I actually fantasized over, you know, just leaving the world earlier than, than, than what I'm intended and how long I'm intended to be here. That's how dark, dark it got. And I share these things to you because a lot of us in life, we go through this. But you know what, though? It doesn't matter how unfaithful I was in the Lord. Guess who was faithful? Just guess. Who was the one that kept pulling me back? Who was the one that says, Irvin, I love you so much that I will continue to use you because it is in his faithfulness not Irvin's faithfulness, because I was ready to quit. I'm a quitter, and I'm not ashamed to say that, because that's the truth. I wanted to quit on him. So before I continue, just kind of remember that. Remember the things that we've been through in life. And before we continue, just quickly bow our heads real quick, and I'd just like to give grace and thanks to our Lord. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, again, thank you very much. Lord, as Carl prayed this morning, help me to decrease while you increase, dear God, this is a message for us all. It is not from me, Heavenly Father. It is a message for all of us, including me, dear God. Lord, you know how much I need this and how much we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Think for a moment, 2001. Just remember, I want to bring you back in time real quick, okay? 2001, it was a September, September of 2001. And that day was, was the 11th day of, of September. You guys remember that day? You remember how awesome it was? See, I was from the Jersey City, New York City area. That day was the calmest day ever. It had a certain crispness to the, to the wind, to the environment. It was clear as blue, blue skies, no clouds in sight. It was beautiful. And I was awoken basically by, by my father. He had given me a call, and he said, hey, Irvin, don't go to, don't go to work today. You see... I worked at a company, it's called, it was called GBI Capital, Gaines Berlin Incorporated. I was a stockbroker trainee, and I led a few team basically to go ahead and solicit and to sell stocks. You know, we had no idea what the stocks were. We were just told, hey, call and go ahead. And I'm sure, I think you guys remember probably finish line now. We were one of those people who were pushing that, that stock very well. We had an awesome team. They were very successful people, and I led that group, and I was very proud of that group. But one morning, my dad called and said, hey, don't, don't go to work today. A plane hit one of the towers. And I said, Dad, you know, at that time, my dad was work, working for Pershing, and his office was right across the World Trade Center, right across the Hudson River. And he called. I said, don't go to work. I said, Dad, you know what? There's a lot of planes that fly to and fro. There must have been some, like, drunk uh, air, airline uh, pilot or a pilot, and he just 
smacked into the World Trade Center. Don't worry. I got to go. We got to do this. You know, we, we got to close deals and such and, and make a whole lot of money, you know, because in less than a year, I, I was going to bring in seven figures. And as I turned around, a second plane came and, and hit the, the towers. And, and I knew at that point, something is not right. We must be getting attacked, right? Because one, but now two, something is not right. And I look back, and 9-11 was a turning point in my life. Because I tell you what, guys, it doesn't matter about the millions you would have made. It doesn't matter how successful you think your career would be. Had I died that day, where would I be? few weeks before that, my friends and I got together. There was an Englishman by the name of Guy Urquhart. We spoke, awesome accent just like you, had a great accent, and said, Irvin, and I didn't know back then he was a millionaire, but you know, I led him in, in our team, and he said, hey, hey, Irv, let's make $10 million in 10 years and quit, but here's what we have to do. You got to forget God. You got to forget your girlfriend, your family. Forget all that, and for the next 10 years, Let's just make a whole lot of money. And I wasn't sure if I was ready to do that. You see, that was before I received the Lord as my personal Savior. But I wasn't ready. You know, I was a Catholic growing up, and I wasn't ready to, to let all of that go. And when 9-11 happened, it dawned on me, man, had I let everything go and just quote-unquote made millions, where would I be? Where would I be without the Lord? You know, my family and I are here in Calvary Vision Church, and it is a testament of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. You know, we were looking around for different churches, and Pastor mentioned Downingtown was a little far. It was about an hour plus away, an hour, and it was a big, crazy big church, and we really wanted to go to a, to a smaller church and be able to serve, and the Lord answered our prayers in, in this church. We wanted to jump in right away. We wanted to serve whatever way we can, and the Lord opened those opportunities. I remember the time when, when Dan asked, hey, do you have a workbook for the kids that we can study? And without hesitation, I said, yes, and I can help you in that too. I saw it as a way that the Lord was opening that path again because for the past two or three years, it was the forest, it was the wilderness, it was the desert for me and my family, and I saw that path. And I'm not saying this to brag, and I'm, I'm not saying this because I knew what was going to happen. Deep inside my heart, the Lord was telling me, get ready and prepare, because one day you'll be invited to, to preach. And when Pastor mentioned this two weeks ago, I'm sure he saw me kind of, I kind of bounced back, eyes wide open, and I was like, in my mind, I was like, Lord, now? But yeah, Lord, now, because now is the time. Now is the time, because you see, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, I wanted to quit on him. Remember that. But it is he who just continues to love us and pull us toward him. I have two points this morning. And I pray that you keep your minds clear, your hearts, your, your, your soul receptive to, about, to, on, on the things that we're about to, to talk about. Because, again, this message is not just for you. It is, this message is for me, really, when I was preparing this message um, I was, I was deeply touched by, by the responsibility that the Lord has given me. First point, 
Why should we continue in, in the growing in the grace of our Lord? Why? Ask yourselves that right now. Real quick. Why should we continue? Why should we never quit? A few months ago, a few weeks ago, we were going back and forth in New Jersey. We had a little scare because at that time, my father was going through a lot of medical testing. There was a certain growth in, in his neck. And so we were going back and forth, and we were worrying, and I again felt this despair. I said, you know what, Lord, you, you showed us CBC Church. You're asking us to serve here. And now we're going through this again? This wasn't the first time. You have, you have to understand, we went through this before my family and I. You know, my brother-in-law went to be with Christ at 24 years of age. He died of cancer. We had another church member who was under 20 years old who died of cancer as well. And I saw all this happen, right? I saw all this, the pains that they went through when we were in hospice and so forth and so on. I said, Lord... I can't do this anymore. This is just, this is too much. We're here serving the church, and now I, I got a tough pastor and someone named that, you know, I got to quit on, I got to quit on them. I got to quit on them because, quite frankly, I mean, it doesn't seem like you have my back, you know, and I can't go through that again. And I again felt, you know, despair and hopelessness. But you know what, guys? We all go through something like this, and in fact, before we turn to Psalm 73, if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to read from an older Bible, my older Bible here. And if you have your phone Bible, that'd be great. And I just want us to read in Psalm 73. It was by the name of Asaph or Asaph. He was a Levite appointed by David to minister before the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. I want us to know when we are going through some tough times, it's nothing new. But even the saints in the past, and the godly people and the godly women, godly men in the past also went through this. And this is what he said. Psalm 73, let me read verse 1 first. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such are of a clean heart. But from verse 22 to 16, what I'm about to read, it's something what I was going through. And this is what I was going through. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. What's going on, Lord? How come the ungodly are flourishing? They are, no, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain, violence covers them as a garment. In verse 7, their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than the heart could wish. They are, they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, and they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and water of a full cup are wrung out of them. And they say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. In other words, why am I doing good? It's for no purpose. It's for no reason. And wash my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, 
I should offend against thee thy generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. When we go through some tough times, isn't it right? When we go through some tough times, we look around and we say, and we start comparing ourselves to people. We start looking out there. And, and I remember when I first came back from the, from, the, from the army, right? I came back from the army, fresh out of the army. And here we are, you know, the, the real world, you know, you're saving people, helping people. People are getting killed to give us the kind of freedom that we have. I come home, uh, Liz picks me up, and I turn on TV, and I saw a, a very popular uh, a rap artist and his son, and they were trying to compete and who, who will have the most lavish birthday party. And I'm like, what am I, what is this? These are the people that I'm supposed to die for and bleed for? Why are they flourishing and that we are not? The godly people, the ones who have dedicated their lives, right, to knowing the Lord. Why? Why us? However, in verse 17, and I want you to read this with me. In verse 17, what does verse 17 say? It is when until I went in the sanctuary of God that I knew that he knew basically the ends of those individuals. It was when he returned. It was when I went back into the presence of the Lord. You see, sanctuary doesn't have to be a physical place, and it is also. In fact, I was kind of like where Jack was, is right now, hanging out there in one Friday Bible study. It was nice and dark. I came in, and this was the time that I was going back to Jersey. This was the time when I was ready to, to, to quit on, on, on helping the youth uh, ministry, minister, minister, uh, ministry here. And I said, and I was there in the dark, and I was just talking to the Lord. And it, is, it was when I realized if we go back into the presence of God, not only in sanctuary, but under his wing, in his presence, that he will give and impart upon us some wisdom and knowledge. Look at verse 26. My flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In verse 28, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. You see, when we go back into the sanctuary of God, when we're not looking into our own hearts on what I can do, we will remember. He will tell us when we shift the focus and instead of feeling sorry for me and how I'm incapable, incapable our focus ought to be in the Lord. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, we are God's temple. Don't you know you are God's temple if you have the Holy Spirit? If you have Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are the temple of the Lord. Again, you can find that 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. We have the great comforter, the Holy Spirit. He is our advocate, and he will teach us and remind us of everything Jesus has said to us in John 14, 26. You know, now when we go through these tough times, I, I, I do my best to remember the promises that he has for me. So I have them written out, and, and I challenge and I urge this church to, to don't slacken that, you know. When you're doing your devotions, sit down and write, the, write down some of the promises. And if you don't mind, I'm going to share some of the promises that he has for me. Because when I'm feeling down, I look at these promises, and I remember, I remember that, number one, Jesus is my provider, Matthew 6.33. He will never leave me nor forsake me in Deuteronomy 31.6. 
He is my rock. He is my fortress, my deliverer, my refuge, my shield, and my horn of salvation, my stronghold. Psalms 18.2. You know, when the future looks bleak, he reminds me that the steps of the good man are ordered by whom? The Lord. Because he upholds me in the palm of his hands. All right? Psalm 37, 23, 24. Don't you know, church, don't you know that he chose you, every single one of us, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight? Isn't that an amazing thought? And that's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. He knew you, David. He knew you before he even created this world. He knew me. John, remember we mentioned on Friday? He broke the mold when he created you. He knew you before the foundation of the world. That's humbling. That's a humbling thing for me. When you look back in the difficult decisions, the wrong, the mistakes, and so forth and so on, let them go. You know why? Because no matter what, the creator of the universe loves you. And he calls you, and it is in his faithfulness to draw you closer. So why continue? Why continue and never quit? Because why should we quit when you have the favor of the creator of the universe in you? Why should we quit? Isaiah 66, verse 2. He looks on you with favor, Luke. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Way back when, I think a few weeks ago, Pastor, you preached on this. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear the Word. Fear His Word. In other words, do we give all? Do we take His Word seriously? Or do we just let it, let it bounce off of us and, and just forget about, forget about it? Ephesians chapter, eight, verse, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Don't you know you are saved by grace? You are saved by His grace, and it's not anything that we could have done. You see, as a Catholic growing up, we had to do a whole lot of stuff. Seven sacraments, we had to do if we didn't do anointing of the sick, if we didn't do this and that, and if we died that day, I, I was taught that we won't go to heaven. You see, the Lord made it easy. You don't have to do that. It is not of us. It is not of our own righteousness. It is by grace and faith that we are saved and not of works. Ephesians chapter 2. Will you have troubles in life? Will we have troubles in life? Honestly. Yes? No? Yes? Yes. We will have troubles in life. But you know what? In John chapter 16, verse 33, you know the Lord overcame the world? And because the Lord overcame the world, and if you have the Lord with you today, you will overcome the world, not of your own power, but the power of the, our Lord and Savior. So instead of looking at me, when I'm going through these tough times, you know, I ask these, these questions. Oh, why should I continue in grace? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just, I'm just looking at within myself. Why should I continue to grow in grace? Rather, Irvin, you should say, rather, church, we should ask, how can I obtain the Lord's favor? How can I gain his favor? You see, when we do these things, it humbles us because now we're not looking at our own hearts and our own problems, right? We're looking at the Lord. So, Lord, how can I obtain your, your favor? What can I do in my part to obtain your favor? You know, in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 35, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Isn't it awesome to have favor from God that he delights in us? When he, he brings me out of a spacious place and he rescued me because he delighted 
in me. Psalm 18, 99. That's not 19, I'm sorry, 18, 19. That is one of the humblest, humblest things that you can ever hear. That, Irvin, I delight in you. Regardless of your weaknesses and your faults and your sin, I delight in you. God favors you. So turn around, go talk to your neighbor and say, look at them and say, God favors me. Go ahead. Good. God favors me. John, tell you people, God favors me. Dan, God favors me. My, my mom and dad are here, by the way, in the corner. God favors me. One, tell them, Mr. James, God favors me. Guys, God favors us. For those of, the, of us who are single, who don't have a girlfriend, boyfriend, who aren't married yet, that's all you need to say. Go to the woman that you love and say, you know, God favors me. You don't even have to ask. <laughs> She'll just say, I will marry you, Irvin. That's the story of me and my wife. That's the story. I looked at Liz. I said, Liz, don't you know God favors me? And Liz says, I shall marry thee. I will marry thee, Irvin. <laughs> true, true story. No, I'm just joking. Well, the real story actually is I was walking by. I said hi to her, and she looked at me, and, and she said, I can see God's favor in that man, and I shall marry thee. Right, Liz? That was the story? No? Uh, okay, sorry. All right. All right. That, that, that wasn't the true story. So husbands, tonight, thank the Lord for his favor towards you. Thank the Lord. Look at your wife and tell your wife, wife, by the grace of God, thank you for loving me. And wives, in return, look at your husbands and say, man, it takes a whole lot of grace to love you, Irvin. <laughs> All right? Because it does. It takes a whole lot of grace. Church, we have God's favor towards us. And lastly, I want to point out the benefits of seeking for favor in our Lord. I want us to remember that if we continue to grow and seek his favor, don't you know it's not only beneficial for us, but it's also beneficial for others? Don't you know people are counting on us right now in this church? People are counting on us. And they might not even know yet, but they're counting on us to share to them the love that we have, to share to them the innermost love where, man, that guy has a lot of patience. I wonder what's, what's up with him. So that we can say, in, like in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. As we know, we live on this world. We live in a very negative, very busy culture. We keep ourselves busy with things that do not have eternal significances. You know, I'm, I'm, I am uh, guilty, guilty of that. When others see Irvin, when others see us, do, do they ask, am I seeing something different with that, with that individual? Do I see something different in you? Or are you just like, are we just like the rest of them? We go into work and we grumble. When we hear our coworkers grumble, we jump in right with them and we grumble with them. Or do they say, hey, man, this, you know, I never hear, hear, hear you curse. I wonder why that is. You know, my wife and I were talking about this and Pastor Tim mentioned this a few weeks ago. You know, the, one of the problems is for us Christians is we have a whole lot of freedom, right? We hear his word and then we go home and it's like, that's it. <laughs> we're good. We have that freedom. And then we, we were talking, my wife and I, and say, well, how come, you know, when you were a Catholic, it was so ingrained in us, right? Like, it was so, like, regimented. <laughs> There's no freedom in that. You see it? 
Sometimes we have so much freedom that we forget. We forget who is it from. And we forget who the giver and the blesser is. When I came here from the Philippines and arrived in Jersey City, New Jersey, you know, we had relatives who were, who were Christians at that time, and, and they would witness to me, but the way they witnessed to me was, was very, um, made me feel very dirty, you know. I felt like the lowest uh, scum of the earth, uh, you know, why this, why that. You know, it's funny. Mahatma Gandhi also once said, you know, he's the great activist and leader, and, and, and he was against the British rule at that time in India, and he said, and, and, and hear me out here, he said, you know, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And I'm guilty of this. When I first got saved and received the Lord, man, I was so, I was so prideful. You know, I was so prideful. And, and I wanted my friends to know who Jesus Christ was. But the way I was doing that, I was doing it. And, and, and the way I did it is to make them feel guilty, to make them feel dirty. No, that's not the right way to do it. it it's this. So forth and so on. Because this is what it says in the Bible. But what that does Instead of drawing them close to me, it drew them further away from me, and I'm guilty of that. But rather, have we in our life exercised some of the fruits of the Spirit that's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23? And let me recite them to you. Do we have love in our life? When someone looks at Irvin, does he have joy? Does he have peace? Does he have forbearance? You know, forbearance is like enduring, you know, patience. Another fruit is kindness. How about goodness? How about faithfulness? How about self-control? These are the fruits of the Spirit. Are we producing that in our lives so that we can draw those who are yet to be saved, those who have yet to have come to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? You know, in conclusion... Let us continue to grow in grace and Lord, grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because in continuing, it does not only benefit us, but again, it benefits others. You see, if we quit becoming like Christ and continue to grow in grace, right? If we quit, if we quit that, who's, who's going to feed the hungry? Who then will feed the hungry? Who will clothe the naked? Who will give shelter to the homeless? Who will bring hope to individuals that yet have Christ? Who will bring hope to individuals who have contemplated suicide? And that's very dear to me. That's one of the reasons why I entered the military. One of the reasons why I entered a specific, specific job in the military, which was infantry. Because a lot of the guys there, you know, a lot of these young guys, when they go into the military, <laughs> you know what they think? I'm going to get a job. But when you're out, and you realize that how difficult it is. They think the fastest and the quickest way to end it all is to commit suicide. If we quit in grace, who's going to take that message? Who's going to take that message to individuals like these? Who will bring the light of the world? Who is our Lord to this darkened and corrupt universe that we have right now? You know, the Lord has extended His grace and mercy to us, fellow CVC brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to grow in grace so we, we too may exemplify the Christ-likeness to others around us. 
And remember, let's exercise mercy and grace because after all, mercy withholds the knife to the heart of Isaac and grace provides a ram in the thicket. Genesis chapter 22, verse 11 through 14. Mercy runs to forgive the prodigal and grace throws a party, a robe, a ring, and a fatted calf found in Luke chapter 15, verse 20 to 24. Mercy hears the cry of the thief on the cross, and that very same day, he is promised paradise. That's found in Luke 23, 39 to 43. When Paul was converted in the road to Damascus, grace calls him to be the great apostle. apostle. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, and also chapter 17. You know, mercy closes the door to hell, and grace opens the door to heaven, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. And you see the difference between mercy and grace is that mercy withholds from us what we deserve and grace gives us, what do you think, what we do not deserve, found in Romans chapter 5, verse 20. So church, you know, I thank you for welcoming me with and my family with, with open arms. Uh, rest assured, we'll do our best to serve. And if we go out of line, you can come up to us and say, Irvin, that is not by grace of God. Irvin, is that by you or is that of the Lord? And I give you permission to <laughs> hunt us down if we ever walk awry. Church, let's continue in the grace of our Lord and Savior and Jesus Christ together so that we can bring the light of the world to the people, right, who have yet to receive them. Let's bow our heads and pray.